Are we gonna go with the rasterized name? Um, I honestly haven't thought of anything else since last night. So. I kind of like it, and you know, SEO. So <laughs> <laughs> we are all about that SEO on this podcast. So we'd be like. Hello and welcome to the Rasterize Podcast, a podcast about life and design with Sydney and Eric. Yes, exactly. Okay. Do we want to do we want to trade off duties or just trade off who says it each podcast? I don't. Hmm. See, I'm not sure. I've seen podcasts do it both ways, where some of them will be like the same person kind of like starts it every week, and other ones it's you know whoever's there. Right. Um, I'm fine with trading it off. I mean, there's only okay. two voices, unless we sometime get guests in the future, which I don't know mm-hmm. if people are not. Yeah, we'll see. That'd be fun to arrange. But yeah, um, okay. I do definitely kind of want to have it in like segments and like maybe little brief pauses or like, ha- do you listen to the daily? The I Times? do. Oh, of course, like- Eric, you know I do. <laughs> Michael Burban. I can't remember his last name, but yeah. I do. I, I do really like it. I listen to it on my Alexa all the time. Um, and but they have everything in like their little short ten minute segments. I like those. Ooh, you know what? I have an idea. Since we both have an Alexa, we should make an interview segment asking questions of our Alexas. Oh, that'd be fun. <gasps> our Alexas should be friends. Yeah, of course. I don't know how to set that up, but I know me and my sister use ours to talk to each other every once in a while. How? Um, you can set up as people to like call, and so oh. you can just drop messages, and it'll it'll like blink yellow, and you just have to be like Alexa, what are my messages? And then she'll like pipe up and tell you. She'll either play what the person said or transcribe it to you. Oh my god, that's so cool! I and had no like, idea you could do that. Yeah, and she'll forward it to your phone and stuff as well. That's oh, cool. man, you're so ahead of the times, Eric. I'm I'm just, you know, a sucker for tech gizmo stuff. <laughs> so do you have the dot or do you have um, I, I a bigger have one? I have oh. a big one and I have a dot out in my living room. Ooh, fancy. Hooked up to my surround sound. <laughs> so you walk out into the living room and ask how the weather is and she just like surrounds you with all of the... It's 68 <laughs> out and raining and gloomy because it's eerie. <laughs> Man, Erie's the next Seattle. Dreary, Erie. <laughs> um, Dreary, Erie. That's like, have you ever seen the Spike Jones movie, Her? No, I have not. Because that setup with the, the Alexa just talking to you through your surround sound sounds a lot like that. Hello, Eric. The weather is 68 and rainy. Might want to grab a raincoat before your big meeting. Is that the one that he falls in love with it? Yes. I haven't fallen in love with mine. I just, oh. I use it. <laughs> you just use Alexa. <laughs> I did install the, the uh, skill that makes her tell me compliments, though. So Ooh, <laughs> maybe I'm going down a dark path. Mine just plays Jeopardy and rain noises when I ask it to. Oh, do you like the meditation skill? You know, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't spent that much time with mine just because of my limited internet at home like i really i just use it as like a tiny speaker to change Mm -hmm. songs whenever i feel like it but i am very open to learning more about it and maximizing alexa's potential definitely a cute little device and yeah looking forward to that so a brief introduction 
are like elevator pitches, I guess. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Well, I am a photographer and a graphic and web designer and a projectionist for an independent large format theater. Very nice. Uh, as for myself, I am a technical writer and editor by trade, and at the moment I am working in advertising as a graphic artist and a paginator for a publication. <laughs> it's hard to not say for it. I, I don't know what I would call it. Yeah, it's whenever you like talk about things and want to tell people like, oh, this is what I do. Usually you do name drops, but when you're trying to like not do a lot of name dropping, <laughs> yeah, it becomes hard to do. Yeah. I did have a good opportunity arise at work today. Oh, what was that? So my boss sent me an email asking about like if I was going to be in the next day. I was like, oh, yes. Is there anything I can help with? Uh, of course, because I'm always so courteous and work time and everything. But um, uh, she asked if I could help out with uh, two girls who founded Echo Girls, which is an environmental edu- education group for high school girls. And it's a nonprofit group. They've been together for a couple of years, but um, she wanted to see if I could work with them to maybe build a website. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I always kind of wanted to get into doing like environmental education stuff and developing website, mat- well, not just website materials, but um, media, whether it be like flyers or videos and stuff to help out nonprofits with what they do. So you want to do like promotional slash graphic PR work for nonprofits? Yeah, I think that's a, you know, valuable use of skills with design. I mean, you could always do stuff for like fancy companies and everything. But if I could work for nonprofits, that I think it's like a just cause. Yeah, yeah we've talked about this before. Um, you're just reaping in that sweet, sweet nonprofit karma. I am. You don't you don't get paid in money, you get paid in karma. <laughs> <laughs> and the gradual reduction of your federal student loans. Yes. Going for that. Oh, actually, you know what I heard? Oh, we're not supposed to get political. But um recently <laughs> they I heard that they're going to stop allowing people to do the uh forgiveness for working for nonprofits and public service. Yeah, I heard that as well. And that that's saddening. Yeah, because I think a lot of people were probably kind of relying on that as a way to deal with their loans. Because I know for some people, the strategy was to get your monthly payment as low as humanly possible, either through, uh, you know, making a percentage of your wage or something, and then trying to get your payments to, you know, push to over 10 years so that once you hit that 10 year mark, your loans would just be gone. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I, I've heard the same thing as well. And whether that pans out or not, I guess we'll just have to see. Hopefully, the whole forgiveness when it comes to working at a nonprofit stays for the folks who are in nonprofits since it is a great cause and it's a nice, nice bonus to the karma that comes with working for one. But yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, well, hope for the best. So, F- fingers crossed. So, how did you get into design what made you like design oh that's a good question um i guess as a kid i always enjoyed books but i also really enjoyed magazines and seeing how things were laid out 
and my dad does a lot of pagination. So we would play games where we'd go to restaurants in town and he would point out all the mistakes in the placemats. And we'd see if, you know, we as kids, my brother and I, if we could get as many as he could as far as pointing them out. So <laughs> uh, I guess it kind of started there. Uh, I've always had an interest in art and writing and where those two meet. And that really, for me, has been on the area of design. So I guess that's just been how I kind of fell into it. And ever since, I've taken art classes and writing classes um, and some journalism classes along the way and had some great internships where I could really flex those muscles or at least begin to develop them and, and go from there. So I guess that's how I got into it. But, um, but what about you, Eric? Well, I kind of fell into liking design by accident, I guess. It mostly started from when I got into photography in, in high school. And um, I really dived into that and really, really enjoyed it because there's a lot of both artistic aspects to it, but also science and math because of um, working with the physics of how light works and everything. So I was interested mm-hmm. in it in that aspect, but also just, you know, taking pretty pictures and stuff and trying to make pretty, pretty pictures. Uh, I enjoyed Aww. that as well. But um, when I got into college, I went to school for software engineering, um, which was not really a graphic design kind of thing. Um, but as I was going through that, I started working at the beacon as well, just to take photos. And um, after working there for a while, they said, hey, do you know how to use Photoshop or something? And I was like, well, yeah, I use it for my photos. And they um, uh, brought me into trying to do stuff um, for the paper. And uh, then that drew into pagination and uh, making ads. And it just kind of spiraled from there into like really, really enjoying all that stuff. And I ended up switching to doing that stuff instead of the software engineering. Mm -hmm. And you don't regret it a bit. Oh, no, I, I really enjoy it. And I, I still use all the skills I learned from software engineering, too, because I still got into web design and everything. So the coding was useful for that. But then I also still have the skills to use, you know, Illustrator or InDesign or something to make a flyer or something like that for work. Um, so I you approached design by doing a lot of formal classes more than um, kind of exploring it on your own, would you say? I, that's a good question. Um, uh, at first response, I would say no, just because I haven't had any specific classes like in topography or design or elements of design where I've had classes in a bunch of adjacent fields. Um, but on the other hand, all of the things I did learn in class, I like would look into and research, um, So, like, for instance, I took an art history class in college that really left a a huge impression on me. And one of the movements we talked about was the, oh, shoot, now I can't remember, the, like, the Art Nouveau movement in um, early 20th century France. And even though I'm looking at this Art Nouveau movement as far as paintings, I learned that it was also a movement in typography. A bunch of famous type designers came out of it. So, yeah, I guess it was, uh, it gave me enough of a framework that I could, dive into it and and look into things for myself so i guess that is accurate to say i came about it from formal training more so than just stumbling into it but along the way since figuring out i had this interest in it i've used a lot of um self-training methods self-teaching methods to learn more and further pursue it and i imagine with your background you've you've kind of followed the same path as far as teaching yourself yeah so i whenever everything i initially learned was kind of from 
looking up stuff on the internet and following guides and everything. Um, cause everything in class was like you said, ad- adjacent to the field, but not really direct at, later on. I did start taking uh, specific graphic design courses. Um, but most of those even were pretty general. A lot of the experience I guess I got was from stuff I naturally had to do either through the newspaper or for my own photography business. Mm-hmm. I understand. And should we explain how we met then as far as the beacon? Oh, that, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what your position was when you first started. What, what did you, uh, you did for the business writing department? Yeah, I so I never worked for the student newspaper. And then in the beginning of the fall semester, I had a bunch of people from the Beacon approach me and say, hey, you would be great for the newspaper. I'm like, oh, okay, I suppose so. And then I thought like it was a writing position. It turned out I was the section editor for technology and business. <laughs> but <laughs> that's how I got roped into it. But it was a wonderful time. Um, I, I made so many great friends, including Eric. That's how we met. And Eric really helped me um, a lot when it came to learning different things about layout in the paper. And anytime I had a question or needed someone to look over my materials. Um, oh, and then there was that time Eric went with me on an assignment to cover an open house for, gosh, it wasn't a planetarium. It was some kind of like telescope exhibit through our astronomy club. Yes, it was. Um, well, they were going to be opening the Yon Planetarium and they were having a special night outside where they were just uh kind of a, an astronomy night I, I believe yeah yeah an astronomy night so that's eric was such a good sport and took these gorgeous photos of the night sky and everyone looking up into it into the heavens and um had some awesome art to go with my story so we've really worked a lot together ever since and we've been really great friends and we've bounced ideas off of one another for personal and professional projects and it's really um been a friendship that i always enjoy and look forward to it's a breath of fresh air in my life when I when I'm not dealing with um, people who are <laughs> yelling at me about work. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how we got um, oh, how our paths crossed, and we've we've stayed friends ever since. Yeah, the, the 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 beacon was a really great place to meet a whole bunch of people who, because even the people that I that when I first started in it um, were huge mentors to me as well. So it's just. It, it's it's kind of weird when you hear like someone was saying like oh they helped me like learn all this stuff and everything and you were like oh did I really even know what I was doing back then um, because like I jumped in and thought everyone that was above me that was doing stuff were like it was amazing what they could do but it you can pick it up really quickly when you have people who kind of know the stuff and you can follow them along and everything. Oh, absolutely. That's from my experience. I found that it was far easier to pick up page design and layout and and things of that nature from someone who knew what to look for, knew how to explain it. Like, okay, these are our core tenets, things that we want to look out for as opposed to a more formal class. Gosh, do you remember that one class where we had to like build a tiny newspaper from nothing? Oh yeah, it was, that was, was that one of the general, uh, like backpack journalism courses? I I think it was. Yeah. That might have been the one we had together. There, Eric and I did have a class together where we weren't friends, so <laughs> that might have been that class. <laughs> Not that we didn't like each other. It's just I don't think we knew each we other We just didn't yet. know each other. <laughs> no. No, we, we hadn't become friends yet, but um, 
But yeah, so there was that time that we had to build that teeny tiny newspaper. But I think at that point, you already were in Beacon, right? I, I must have been because I probably wouldn't wouldn't even have been on that side of the campus if it wasn't for like uh, learning stuff through the newspaper and pulling me away from <laughs> the the engineering buildings. <laughs> You know, that's the thing about newspapers as a whole. Once you get involved with them, you can never leave. <laughs> yeah, it's really surprising. Like, I still talk to every, like a lot of people from the Beacon and everything, even though it's, you know, a couple of years removed from it. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. I know. Um, there's a few people from there that I talk to, gosh, um, at least once a week. Um, it And it really has been such a wonderful experience that really, I don't know, I gained a lot of professional skills from it not just because i'm in publishing but um as far as you know we have all these deadlines to work around and scheduling with people and trying to set up interviews and And having that office environment and everything too i think helps a lot (laughs) that was my first experience with an open office oh my goodness headphones are a must on occasion (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah and um so basically I guess as for listeners and everything, go join a club or group or something if you're in school that like deals with design. I know some schools have design clubs and some have like uh, student newspapers and everything. If you can join them, just to, it, it, they're a lot of fun first for the first point and you learn so much in them. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Even if there isn't a formal club at your school, since Eric and I are relatively young design professionals um, and two people who have just recently got out of school, um, we definitely recommend it. And like I was trying to say, if your school doesn't have a formal club or organization set up, don't be afraid to start your own, whether it's recognized by your school or not, even if it's just like a loose collection of friends and you put out a zine or you put out a podcast, whatever you want to do, bringing a group of created people together to make something really cool and interesting just for the heck of it, just because you can, I think is a really um, interesting task. Oh, absolutely. Like if there's ever something that you just want to do, especially nowadays when a lot of creative work that you can do can be basically done for free once you have the tools. Um, Cause it's just mostly it's digital assets like if there's something that you kind of think you want to create, just go do it. Like it doesn't really matter if it doesn't turn out okay, or even if you make it and it like looks awful. If you're just the fact that you're doing it is going to be so helpful with experience. Because um, I I did that with so much in photography. I started out with just doing photos and everything, but then I ended up building that business into like web design and everything just because I was like, oh, I kind of need something to show off my own photos. So I, I looked into how to make a website and the first one didn't look good. And, you know, you keep doing it again and again. And all of a sudden you have something that you could show people. And that ended up being such a valuable asset to me that it's actually what got me my job outside of school more so than just being able to say, oh, I have these skills. But when you have something tangible that you can show off, it's it's really useful. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the things I learned from Eric. I look up to Eric for so much, including his his own professional success. And from that in mind, we would you know, really encourage people to develop a portfolio. And even if it's things that start off as, oh, this is just for fun. I just want to like try this out. Uh, and really, you know, like Eric saying, practice, practice, practice. You will have a portfolio of creative materials that uh a potential employer will look through and say like, wow, you know, no one else in college or just 
having recently graduated or whatever the case may be, you know, no one else has this much uh, material developed or not independently. Because I think a lot of internships, that's the goal is to try and, you know, have something at the end of it that you can present later. Say like, hey, I worked on something. But um, yeah, if we've learned anything, it's if those opportunities don't already exist, you are more than welcome to make them, you know, make your own doors, make your own opportunities. Um and in a lot of it, like Eric said, as far as a lot of the, the tools are easily accessible and once you pay for the subscription or download them or whatever you have to do, it's not that difficult to get going. Yeah, there's there's a lot of resources out there that you can use to like learn how to use stuff. Um, I know for me uh, to learn Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, a lot of those came from YouTube videos. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones out there that are out there for free. Um, so actually that's a really good segue to talk about some of our favorite resources. Yeah. Our favorite resources. So gosh, you know what, Eric, I'm just going to ask you, what are some of your favorite resources? I I call Eric the brains behind our podcast (laughs) just because he is a wealth of knowledge. So I'm just going to ask you first, what are some of your go-to sites? Well, I kind of have, uh, different ones for different things. I have websites that I use that are kind of like inspiration where I go to like look at other really great projects and and probably the two of those are the Behance website which is the one that I think Adobe gives people with uh, as portfolio space and stuff there's a lot of really amazing work on it and a lot of work that's in big industries Um, so I would definitely suggest checking it out and also uh reddit a lot there's a lot of the the uh, cinematography subreddit the the graphic design subreddit typography subreddit um some of them aren't as active as others but um a lot of them have a lot of good examples of stuff that people have made um (laughs) crappy design uh subreddit is actually a funny one to go to and look at stuff so you can get ideas of stuff like not to do and if there happens to be something that's maybe not too bad people usually call it out and so that's a really good place to learn why something's wrong or if something is actually wrong um and as far as learning uh different uh programs and everything um i like code academy and udacity Uh, both of those are more for like coding side of stuff um so if you get into web design at all those are great they have really um awesome tutorial classes that you can take and follow along and uh, I know Udacity looks like it's not free, but it is. You can take the actual courses themselves um, for free. It's just the projects that end up costing money. So just keep that in mind if you go to that website. Oh, well, nice. Very nice. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. You know, Behance kind of reminds me of Dribble. Have you ever gone on that and just looked around? I never got the chance to go on Dribble. no. Okay, so I just pulled up Behance, and that's what it reminds me of. So it's, it's probably the Adobe Dribble. <laughs> Let's just be frank. Adobe is everything. It's just in the air we breathe. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> it seems like that on occasion, or at least when I work exclusively with their programs at work every day. Yeah, it's like whenever you... I, I mean, there's definitely certain fields that have their things like, you know, in audio, they probably don't do as much of Adobe. But for everything else, it's like... You got to know the Adobe program for it. <laughs> oh, gosh. that's I've been learning Illustrator the past few months, and that has been an interesting adventure. It's a very powerful program, though. I, like, I mean, that's what you get into. It's like, oh, they're so powerful because they're like industry, industry standards. Um, 
which I think I feel noting. If you are a student in any way, if you wait for around the Black Friday time, they typically do a special where they give away the uh, Creative Cloud subscription for, I think, about 15 bucks a month for like the first year or two. Um, that's a really good time to jump into it and get to learn stuff if you can. If your school doesn't just let you have access to use it. Interesting. Or you could be like me at work where we're using the dinosaur versions <laughs> and you never know. Eric and I met up not too long ago and he's showing me all of the amazing things that the latest version of InDesign can do with animations and hyperlinks. And I'm like just in awe of everything just since we're living in the dark ages with like Quark 4 and all that good stuff. <laughs> you know, at least though, if someone's like, oh, hey, we only have this program from eons ago and we need someone who knows how to use it, you'll be able to be like, hey, I got the skills. <laughs> oh, man, if you're building a publication from 1993 software, I'm your girl. Oh, man. Um, and Eric, maybe we should make some retro zines with really old software. Oh, that would be an interesting challenge. Can you make modern looking stuff with old software? That would be interesting. Ooh, like how oh, much do you have to rely really... on old tools? Because, you know, people made good looking stuff back in the 80s and 90s. So this is true with spot color. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, printers and everything. And Oh, my gosh. We have. um Oh, one of our machines at work is something with like 50 pins that it like pulls the special paper onto with all these metal pins. And it's huge i'm thinking like it's the size of like a couple kitchen cabinets put together oh geez that kind of yeah. sounds fascinating though how stuff like that works but that's just my <laughs> geekiness <laughs> <laughs> you'll just have to come visit me show you all the fun machines um where were we going um I don't, what else do you want to talk about um let's see Oh, I guess I didn't really talk about my resources. What are my resources? Oh, yeah, we, we didn't get to uh, your resources. What are your favorite resources, Sydney? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to get better about finding cooler ones that aren't so lamestream, but I do really look to Etsy a lot and Pinterest just because they're easy to catalog things that I find to be of interest. Um, where I work, we have a really rich archive of um, past publications. Uh, and so I look to that a lot to see how things were done in the past and style things I can reintroduce. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, I also pull inspiration from art history, just kind of like how we were talking about the Art Nouveau. Um, I, I'll look at like a certain period and pull, in, you pull different inspiration, like whether it's like a font style or color palette and go from there, especially with my work with whether I'm like painting or photographing old houses in the region, especially like old Victorian or Italianate houses. I'll look to those time periods and art to pull inspiration from there. Uh, other than that, I'm just a huge magazine nerd. <laughs> I'm always picking up a new copy and using like the What the Font app on my phone to figure out what they're using. Uh, and cataloging that away and just other style books um, when I'm out and about other publications I just pick them up and and see like what they're doing what looks good what doesn't look good and, and things of that nature so I guess I'm just more of like uh, as I see it I take it in and try and make a note of it that's that's really good to do that's something that I know I personally am not very good at is um going out and seeking other good work that I really like and somehow 
remembering it that I, I've, tar- I've started trying to do that more with my photography with uh, using the 500 pix app because um, that has a lot of really great work on it. And I don't spend enough time going to go and seek out good work and seeing what's good because um, you get you naturally get so much inspiration from everything. And I, I like I use Pinterest myself too a lot to get ideas for uh, poses and things. Um, so yeah, stuff like that I think is great, even though it's you know I like everyone uses Pinterest, but that also means there's a lot of great stuff on it too. That's very true. Um, like for instance, over the weekend I just added an oil painting board. That's one of my other creative side hobbies, and I was surprised like. If So I've been on Pinterest for like five or six years now. And if you were to tell me five or six years ago, oh, there will be like, you know, how to's and technique tips about oil painting. You just have to search for it. I mean, I wouldn't believe you because it would have been just outfits and recipes. But as the community has evolved and progressed, you have all of these interesting facets like painting. And I found, you know, here's how you, you know, shade these colors or blend these colors for skin tone. And things I never would have found before. So, um, I, I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I laugh that it's lame, but it's not lame. There are so many people there, and the community is just expanding. That there are so many more ideas and interests coming together, and it just uh, much more help these days, I guess. Is there anything in particular you've seen lately that you thought was really cool, like uh, design or not, just uh, something cool around the internet? Um. I, I saw something earlier today. It was about a little boy who entered some kind of like Lego model building contest. And I don't know if you see the link that I have under my show notes. Oh, I do see that. Yeah. So if you click on that. So it looks like this little boy named Riley entered some kind of Lego competition. And all he has <laughs> submitted is a single brick and he calls it a worm. <laughs> and at first, you know, it's funny, but um, the, like the person who tweeted it, you know, Riley, you're a genius. When you think about it, you know, it, it is it makes you wonder, like, what is a worm? And if this is a, you know, an abstract representation of a worm, he did it. Yeah, I, there's, now, I'm skeptical about whether the 12-year-old was having the cleverness in his mind that I'm thinking that I see, that I see when I see this, but yeah, it, it's, I could see a lot of, like, minimalist, minimalist designers being like, ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I did not realize it was a 12-year-old. Okay, that kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of changes things a little bit, as opposed to, well, this is my last second art project, but, um. Still interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it's better than probably I would have come up with <laughs> in the last couple of seconds of Legos. Did you play with Legos as a kid? Did you have Legos in your um, life? You know, I, I didn't. I kind of, for whatever reason, my parents never got us Legos. I never had Kinects, so I really don't know that much about them other than they hurt when you step on them. <laughs> I I had a lot of Legos growing up. I was a big Lego fan. I, I had Kinects too. I had off-brand Legos and the giant Mega Bloks. Those were kind of fun. Oh, Mega Bloks. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, I used to in the local fair i would make connect roller coasters to enter into the uh, fair and always like Ooh. i always did pretty well with those but it was like yeah it was mostly just following instructions but i i don't know maybe there is something to say it might be impressive about someone being like oh this kid can follow directions <laughs> we should give him a ribbon <laughs> eric i still can't follow directions you certainly would have deserved a ribbon <laughs> however old you were in today 
That's very impressive. Really, how many of us can follow directions from the beginning to the end? As working with the with the public as much as I do, I, I am shocked at the illiteracy of some people. <laughs> Is there any uh, last topics we want to talk about or anything? Um, let me see. Uh, did you want to talk about the fawn of the week? Oh, yeah. So we are going to try and do a fawn of the week every week obviously, because it's the fun of the week. Um, and this week we are choosing Acumen Pro. Uh, it's actually the font that we're using for our logo, which we haven't made yet, but it'll be it'll be there sometime. Um, <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very versatile font. Um, has a lot of great stuff for um, display and for signage, like really nice big fonts, um, especially the, the uh, black and ultra black condensed versions. And um, I... It, they claim you can use it a lot for body. I don't know if it works as well for body as like a, some serif fonts and stuff. Um, but it is great with the thin too. It has a, a kind of really nice geometric shapes in it. Right. Right. I agree. Um, but we were talking about earlier as far as how we were going to pick our font for our logo. And we decided on Acumen just, you know, not only is it a clean, modern looking font, it's also approachable. Um, at least in my opinion, I think it, it isn't a, a like cold, sterile font that you you know you don't want to have any kind of association with, uh, and it's also not Helvetica, so <laughs> it's got that going for it. Yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I understand a lot of font stuff is very um, subjective in subjective, nature, subjective, but yeah. um, it always it's always nice to kind of like you know pick out your favorites and know because you know there's so many fonts out there you kind of just need to like pick your dozen or something, and those are in your toolbox and you know you just adjust as you need it. Oh, absolutely. And if you like Helvetica, we're just kidding. It is fine. I used Helvetica for a long time. <laughs> we used to use it in the newspaper quite a bit, actually. Really? That must have been before me. It was Helvetica New. Or New? New? N-E-U-E? New? New-E? Ugh, you know, I was working on an ad earlier and I was trying to find a free version I could download and for the life of me I could not and oh man that trying to work around font issues <laughs> but uh, story of my life um Eric have you ever heard of the I don't know if it's a rumor whatever a folk tale that you should use a serif font for body copy because the serifs like lead the eye from one letter to the next I've heard that yes Oh, okay. All right. So there's some truth to that. I well, I I kind of feel like there's a lot of merit to it. Um, I find I I prefer reading a, a serif font for body text, especially if I'm reading a book or something. I don't think I would really enjoy reading a book in sans serif font. You know, that makes me wonder: Have there any any um, recently published books with body copy that is exclusively a sans serif font? I don't think to look for it, but now that you mention it, I might keep my eye out. I could see maybe some coffee table books having. I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something with that might have like larger size body copy. Oh, it's probably, yeah, ones that also have a picture that spans both pages despite the binding. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, when I'm looking at fonts, I also like to look up to see if they have Wikipedia pages. And then, you know, I don't know, it's really interesting to me. But yeah, Wikipedia, some font types, face, whatever, fonts, type, type, type faces. faces. Oh, no, we're going to get oh, shit man. for calling them fonts. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Man, we're going to get so much hate mail. It's only our first episode. Yeah, I'm telling you, though, go into your office of like regular people and try and ask someone, oh, hey, what do you think of this typeface? And they're going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we could do little sections with them, um, like, uh, like if we do a font of the week, we could do like a little background history snippet and just, you know. I think it'd be, yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, shoot. Um, Under resources. I think it's called Fonts in Use. Um, have I showed you that website? No. Oh, man. Yeah, I suggest Fonts in Use. That's another good place to find design inspiration. Um, so if you ever wondered, like, what makes packaging from the 70s look like it, you know, looks like it came from the 70s, well, there you go. It'll tell you. Like this, I, mean, I just pulled up the front page, this Fiorella font. Like, who dang. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. So instead of ha- having to like go pick up all the different stuff in the real world yourself, it's just here's pictures of it right here. <laughs> there you go. You don't even need to leave your house. And it's already sorted out there for you. Perfect. I love websites right. I like think these. They, there's so much um, helpful. Uh, I'm trying to see. Oh, I thought it organized it by time, but never mind. Do we have anything else we wanted to talk about? Um, not, not particularly, we're just looking forward to exploring the podcasting medium, just a couple of amateurs having some fun with it, and, and yeah, um, are we taking questions? We can, well, we're not live, but you can send us questions, um, you can find me at ettphotography.com or at Twitter at Dilated Aperture, um, if you go to my website, I have, like, all my social media connected there, Sydney, where can they find you? Well, um, because of work, I have to be pretty low-key on the social media. Uh, they can just contact me if they want, and I'll forward everything to you. If you don't want to put anything out there, that's up to you. I, I mean, should I have... I've debated about whether or not to like have a public Twitter. I just don't know what I'd do with it. I just do random memes with mine, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's all they're really good for. Maybe I'll make one, but can you, no, you probably can't have multiple Twitter accounts with the same email. No, you need a different email, but you can make a, you can um, make as many Yahoo emails as you want. And that's what I've been using for a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh man, Yahoo, not Gmails. No, cause I, well, Gmail is like work and professional stuff. Yahoo has been all my, I just need account for social media. <laughs> <laughs> I just need it for this free month trial of Hulu. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to get back to working on, uh, public Twitter, I guess, if people want to tweet at me. Um, we can, we can stick a link in the show notes to all of our social media stuff. So check those things. We'll definitely have show notes every week talking about things we talked about and links to stuff and examples for things because those are helpful. Oh, yes, absolutely. And if you have any suggestions for things that have caught your eye, things you think that would be like a nice addition to the show, um, yeah, feel free to send that uh, our way. Uh, And thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you next week. I think that was not too bad. I don't think it was too bad for the first go round, but you can have fun listening to us banter and mumble and, you know try and get past it for the next what is it what what minute mark are we at now we just went well our calls over an hour Hour. our minutes of recording are just gonna hit 50 now 
Um, I think most of it was good. We'll have to cut out a little bit of the beginning just because of stuff that we don't want to put out there. But um, yeah, I think it'll be good. I feel like I get nervous. <laughs> it's okay. It's I, I understand what you're saying because like, I'll be talking and I feel like there's like a third invisible person yeah, just listening. Exactly. It's like, I'm like, I feel like I have eyeballs on me, but I'm just sitting here in my underwear. <laughs> What's the going on? <laughs> oh, man. I know, because it seems like it's so much more natural now, even though we're still recording. Yeah. Yeah. I don't huh. know. Maybe it's maybe something we'll get used to. We maybe, maybe have to sneak ourselves into it and just randomly call once a week and oops, we hit the record button <laughs> and see what we there get There we from go. It. Oh, man, people freak out. So, like, for instance, if I'm interviewing someone or even if I have someone, like, teach me something and I don't want to forget it, I'll record them and I'll ask them if it's okay. And they get so weirded out. It's it's fresh. You know, you never know what's going to be. You're going to blur it out if you forget it's there. <laughs> you might say something <laughs> embarrassing and then they have proof of it. That's true. That's very true. What's the um? What was the thing for Adobe Muse that I saw on your show notes? Oh, I was just going to ask you if you've heard of it and if you have, um, if you've used it, since I was just looking at a bunch of new Adobe programs this afternoon, and that one caught my eye. Adobe Muse, I believe, is a basically an organizer for creating websites. It's like a graphical mm-hmm. organizer, so you can like lay out where all the pages link to and everything. I have tried using it. I did not find it to be personally useful when making a website. Oh. I, I could understand how it could be useful. Um, I don't think I've built anything either big enough that would really make it useful or complicated enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I could see it being a useful tool, just not something that I found that I really needed to use. I see. I see. Um yeah, I, I was just curious, as someone who, my dream for web design would to be to have a program like InDesign that I just lay out the web page and there it is. Well, I I suppose, yeah, you can kind of use it for that. Um, using it like that with a combination of that and Dreamweaver, you could probably get it all done there. Um, mm-hmm. I tried using it when I was building, or currently I am building the trekpi.org website. Um, and when I was starting to use Muse, I was basically using it to be like, okay, this page is here. It's going to have this content. This page is here. It's going to have that content. But I just found it faster to just write that down on a piece of paper and do it that way. And then whenever mm. I was presented it to someone, I made a little flyer in, in design to show everyone what the sitemap was going to be like. And then after I, I was gotcha. that, I was actively building it um, on the Squarespace platform that I was using. So I didn't need it at that point. Hmm. I see. Interesting. So I'm not going to make you shy away from it, but 